0: What up, everybody? We are back, episode 58 of the DLSS podcast. I'm your host, D-Love. That's my main man, Nate. UFC 255 is in the books. We're going to get right to it. Of course, we're going to break down the fights from last night, do the predictions challenge, recap for the points, and then look ahead to next week. UFC fight night, Derek Lewis is taking on Curtis Blade. So uh, we only got four weeks left, four cards left until the end of the year. So predictions challenge is coming down to the wire. We'll get into that shortly. But uh, before we jump into anything, This episode and everyone, in fact, is brought to you by Dave DeCourcy and the DeCourcy Group. Make sure, guys, if you need a loan to purchase a home or if you need to take some uh, cash out of the equity of your home, so a cash out refinance, make sure to reach out and support the people who support the show by going to www.thedecourcygroup.com. That's T H E D E C O U R C Y group.com. Let them know the DLSS podcast sent you and it helps us out a lot. And real quickly, before I turn it over to my co host here, uh, I just wanted to give a special shout out to everyone that's still. Uh, support me with that turmeric tonic the d loves turmeric tonic my turmeric ginger and lemon tea that i make i cannot thank you guys enough for the support i mean you we i talked about it last week kevin ross has grabbed a batch anthony showtime pettis his batch ships out tomorrow so when you guys hear this monday and then um christian that beast christian aguilera from the ufc blake builder and the builder system Um, my boy ivan picked up another batch harvey grabbed another batch I mean, just Blake's homie out in Minnesota is grabbing a batch. Preston grabbed another batch. Canal grabbed another batch. Caesar for those C Party rentals. My boy Jose Nunez that listens to the show. I, my boy Victor. I cannot say thanks enough, guys. Everyone, the orders keep coming in. I'm basically making tea during the day and delivering it during the night. But I love it, and I cannot thank you guys enough for the support. So thank you again, and I uh, hope you guys are enjoying. And if you're listening to my voice right now and you haven't tried any of the turmeric tonic yet, make sure to reach out to me, and I will make sure to whip you up a fresh batch. But yeah, with that out of the way, as I try. Train- Transition over to you, Nate. I just wanted to start out by saying thank you so much, man. Uh, This last weekend, literally just got back in town less than an hour ago, but Nora and I, my girlfriend Nora and I, were able to kind of disconnect and get the hell out of Dodge for the weekend and go spend the weekend up at his very peaceful lake house up at Lake Isabella area, and uh, I'm... Sure, he can give you some more details on it when we when he starts here. But uh, basically, a dry run for like a Air, AirBnB because I know that's what he's going to be, eventually be doing here in the next couple months. So uh, can't recommend it enough when it is up and running and he's renting it out. I highly suggest you guys go take a few days, just kind of disconnect from all the mayhem that's going on and uh, just relax and enjoy yourself. We uh, had a good time. So thanks, man. I really appreciate it.
1: Absolutely, my dude. Um, yeah, it's a beautiful, peaceful house, beautiful lake views, all modern, all redone, rebuilt five years ago from the setup. It's literally built into rocks. Yeah. Really, really cool. It's built into the boulders. Um, it was a huge blessing. Isabella's a, a gold mine for property, um, especially with that Kernville. There's a there's a town called Kernville right out Right, slightly like probably about six, seven minutes to the left of my house. And yeah, it's if you
0: haven't heard of Lake Isabel, I've definitely you've definitely heard of the Kern River. So it's like where most people go to river rafting, tubing, camping. It's yeah. just it's all around that uh, Kern River, Lake Isabel area. What is it called? Hungry Gulch.
1: Yeah, campground, Hungry Gulch Road campground. Because like. I li- my house is really on like this dirt road of a mountain, and uh well, it's a mountain with a dirt road. It's um, just
0: tucked in like you got the camp down like closer to the road and closer to the lake, but then up the hill up the mountain you got big ass boulders you're driving through, and you get up to the top, and there's just like quaint little neighborhood it's pretty yeah, dope
1: it's cool um Really peaceful, really awesome. Yeah, it will be airbnb soon, and obviously any homies that want to go get the homie hookup. It is not a party house. It is called the Shekinah House, which means house of peace. <laughs> all right, so it's a peaceful house for me and my wife and those who need to get away and get some peace with their significant other or their friends. Um, and it's a real place to reconnect not only with the Lord and just find peace, but just get away from all the hectic, crazy things going on in today's world. Uh, I'm glad you had a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. But Nora uh,
0: really enjoyed herself. Yeah, we took in the sites Kernville. Like the times I've been up there to go camping and stuff, I haven't really like stopped in check out the shops and stuff. We were able to. There's a little like kind of center area with a bunch of shops and like uh, gift shops and antique. They have a lot of like antique yeah. stores up there. It's
1: super cute. It's like a random super cute little town. there's Three thousand people uh, out of the whole population, with Kernville included. I think Kernville and with Isabella. It's it's a very small quaint town, which is what me and you were kind of used to. Uh, where we come from. Uh, yep. I'm, I'm from New Hampshire. and You're from Kansas. Kansas originally, yeah. So
0: midwestern. Oh, uh, well, I don't know about you, East Coast, but like we talked about before, like East Coast values or Midwestern values yeah, and West yeah. Coast savvy. It's like a mixture, combination of both. Because I was 13 when I moved out here. So I mean, granted, I've lived out here way longer than I was, you know, living in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. But I was bo- I was raised out there, so I felt like a lot of that rubbed off and kind of makes me feel definitely unique in in where I where I live these no, days. No, I
1: feel the same way. Uh, yeah, different. Orange County is definitely a different breed of people. That's why a lot of people tell you, well, Orange County is different when it comes to – I guess the best way to say it is uh, it's it's a rat race. Uh, it's not as – not many people hold the door open for you. It's not as uh, – not everyone waves and says good morning, um, and people usually just kind of try not to look at each other and just get through their day. It's a very, very busy, fast-paced area. Um and then when you get outside of here, anywhere out like four hours outside North, once you get to like Monterey or like the Sequoia National Forest, even like Big Bear, it's just different people. It's slower pace. People are happy. Uh, people just want peace. People are really uh, polite and connecting. It's it's just a different environment. Not much of a rat race. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun out there just to get some peace. But speaking of fun, UFC two fifty five. Absolutely. Um, a lot of a lot of good fights on this card. Um, you know, a lot of not not really a lot of upsets. Um, you know, the main event was like super. Uh, it was it was. We'll say quick to say it, that. We'll obviously touch on that. Yeah. Uh, well, let's just start with the main event. Let's just start with the main yeah, event? Yeah, let's just yeah, go with it.
0: I mean, not that I'm phoning in this episode or anything, but to his point and what we've just been talking about, I I did travel this weekend. I know it's not that far away, but I just got back in town. I got Anthony Pettis' batch to make tonight. So yeah. uh, we're going to get just straight to it. We're going to talk a little bit about the main event, co-main event, a couple of the notables, including, you know, like the Tim Means fight and the Brandon Val incident that happened at the end of the first round of that fight. So we'll, we'll touch on some main ones, just kind of burn through this one and, and get to my balls was hot.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's going to be exciting, uh, Derek. It's going to be a slobber knocker. Oh, I hope so. Uh,
0: we better not have another nganu Lewis situation. I don't think that now, ever can happen th- again. I think that all. I the don't uni- think
1: that will happen. Not with someone like Curtis Blades. Exactly. Curtis He's going to push the fight. He's going to push the fight. Yeah. Uh, all right, well, right. Let's it, talk about this Davis one first. <laughs> um. So Davis uh, Davis Figueiro, I always say because there's a D in there. So if I if I butcher it, I'm sorry, guys. But I do my best. Uh. Versus Alex Perez. Um. You know, really quick fight. Um, Alex looked really good at the beginning. He was sharp. He was moving a lot. He was he was active. He looked very confident. Um, long story short is, um, he, you know, he almost got the takedown, um, and then Figu- uh, Figueroa got his leg locked up on the ground. Alex Perez went to do a spinning back fist into full guard and ended up getting himself stuck. In a guillotine, deep guillotine, he was almost out of that guillotine, but uh, he he just happened to panic. He kind of stood up while the guillotine was still in his head was like halfway up. But when he stood up and panicked, trying to get out of it, it, it sunk him in even deeper, uh, allowed uh, Davidson to get more leverage on that guillotine, and it was over in the first round, early in the first round. Uh, so that's the two minutes of
0: the fight. You know, that's all it took.
1: You know, that's it. It just shows you the uh, reaction and and the the transitions that. Uh, Figueroa is able to pull off and he's just very sharp right now you know I've been watching him and just seeing like even as the fight went on you know Davison did really good after Alex Press started off pretty hot looked good but uh, Davison Figueroa had a a great job at cutting off the cage just the look in his eyes which is laser focused he was he's he's super hungry right now he's only 19 and 1 he's the champion but when I watch him fight he's what separates him from a lot of fighters is just the focus. What you see in his eyes, not only does he have all the skills, the knockout power and the flyweight division, to, you know, which is very rare, um, and he finishes people almost every fight. Um, but it's like 17 finishes out of his yeah, now. Tw- but he's, he, he's 20 and one now after dude, this one. Yeah, He's so focused. 17 finishes. He's so focused. I mean, if you guys can watch him fight in this first fight, the focus that he has, just the, the, the lion heart. He has like the urge to kill. You know, he's got—his eyes are to kill, but he doesn't overreact. He's sharp. He's patient. He's just laser-focused right now, and that's a scary guy in this division. He's—every fight I see him, he's just— some guys, they have it until they have the championship, and then after a while, you start to see him lose that laser focus, that hunger to finish, that hunger to win. And every time he fights, man, this guy's a scary dude. Alex Perez, I think, was a top contender. He made a, he he just panicked a little bit, made a a, a big mistake, and I think uh, the pressure got to him, and unfortunately, he sunk himself into a guillotine, and uh, that was all she wrote. Alex Perez, still young. Um, so uh, I'm sure he'll make his way back up. He'll make adjustments. He he'll learn not to panic in certain situations. Or he'll just relax. He I he'll look back at this tape and probably be like, "Man, I knew better. I I, I can't believe I did that." But uh, congratulations to Davison Figueroa. Uh, very very quick finish. Um, man, he's a threat in all areas. Man.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's definitely uh, looks to be at least the champion for a long time in this flyweight division, and uh, this is his first title defense. And to your point, like hopefully he keeps that fire. I mean, when you're on top, you're going to with the target on your back, and he just doesn't seem like he's going to be losing it anytime soon. Uh, before I touch a little bit on uh, Perez and kind of the fight, like you did, uh, just to stay with like in terms of keeping the, divi- the the title for a long time, which we'll talk about a little bit later in the card. But Br- uh, Brandon Marino has been yeah, uh, I was go there too, number yeah. one, uh, you know, prospect as far as our the person that everyone's talking about, including Dana White, uh, who to face Figueiredo now in his, I guess now second title defense. And the reason it's even in more of the headlines is because Davison cuts a shit ton of weight and, um, you know, Brandon Moreno has to travel as well as Figueiredo. So it's like one of these things that apparently since they both had relatively quick fights and didn't come away with any injuries that they're going to try to turn them around real quick and put him on UFC 256. That's a great so idea. So keep uh, Davison uh, on weight, keep him at close to the PI. Same with Moreno and just, you know, basically... Quickly turn him around and and uh, have Davidson defend it that's twice a in a short time. Need yeah, to keep
1: his flyweight division active, especially for someone
0: as that's a champion like that 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 blows up so much in between fights. Like he needs normally a full camp to even be able to make the damn weight. So be able to turn him around, and get a couple fights out of him quick is pretty good uh, for his career and his his legacy as well as just the UFC getting their flyweight, like you said, their flyweight division staying active and then yeah. As far as the fight goes, excuse me, Alex Perez, like you said, came out. He was looking sharp. He looked like he had confidence, like he wasn't uh, beaten before he stepped in there like a lot of people are against people like Figueroa, Mike Tyson, Shevchenko. You know, there's a lot of people that can sometimes intimidate the Khabib. We've talked about their opponent to the point where they've kind of mentally lost before they even step in there. That was Mm -hmm. not the case for Perez. He came out. He looked sharp. A clear uh, adjustment to his uh, potential weapons and game plan in the fight was Figueroa came out in southpaw, so he wasn't leaving his lead left leg out there for Perez to Uh, execute those calf kicks that he's known for. So that kind of threw off the beginning of the fight, although Perez was pushing the pace. He was taking it to him. He was executing uh, takedown attempts himself. He was trying to just bring the fight to Davison, which most people are on their back foot and and kind of running away from Davison. So that was promising, and it made it look uh, like it was going to be a a more evenly matched and exciting fight to to watch maybe even later into the fight, which ultimately made me think that Figueroa potentially could fade because he cuts so much weight, right? But uh, off that, I can't remember what kind of takedown you call it when you grab the leg and you kind of raise it up above your head and try to, treetop I think is what it's called. He tried to take him down, Perez tried to take Figueroa down and in that scramble, to your point Figueroa jumped on the leg lock which then made Perez have to try to spin out with that back fist and ultimately when he ended up trying to go into his full guard like you mentioned um, he took it Basically Figueroa was on his way to turn to his left or to his right. right. And yeah. so his left arm and armpit was like kind of on his way to potentially be getting back up. But once he realized Perez had put his himself you know, in right that in position, the position, it was almost like a reverse uh, setup for it. But he basically just sat back. He's known for an intense squeeze. Even though Perez's the crown of his head was kind of like you said, working its way out, ultimately didn't matter, and Figueroa was able to make him tap because especially it,
1: that early when you're dry, you know, yes. a lot of sweat, and 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 Davidson Figueroa is so strong. Uh, such a strong opponent, especially in the early rounds, you know. Yeah. And then we say, "What about he fades in the later rounds?" But even he does. Uh, some he usually doesn't get to later rounds, but I mean, exactly, the guy, the guy yeah. is just tough as nails. And I wanted to comment on kind of that confidence
0: you were talking about with Figueroa and his laser focus, just kind of coming in and just and as when I mean, you look at his eyes. I man. feel like part of that, like I'm not taking away from his skill set and his abilities because he's obviously a phenomenal fighter, right? But part of that I feel like is being always feeling like the bigger man in there, and uh, that his chin. He's confident in his chin that yeah. no matter what you throw at me, I'm just going to keep coming. So so um, you know, ultimately Alex didn't look, you know, too outsized physically, although he was no, a little bit smaller, but
1: yeah, he looked relatively the same size.
0: But Figueroa, like you said, he just does he just gives no fucks. He just walks you down, cuts off that octagon, and then mm-hmm. puts you in his range to land those bombs.
1: Yeah, and he didn't even have to land bombs here, you know. He really just you know, small mistake. Small mistake by Alex Perez. I think Alex did really good. He had the takedown, he was he he looked strong, he looked very fast, it just he just made a mistake. Yeah, he and a lot mistake. of
0: people f- sleep on Figueroa's jujitsu, myself included, because he's just known for going out there and putting people's lights out. You forget about his... You guys don't remember the guy's Brazilian? I mean, it's, it's in their blood. It's it's, no it's joke. A,
1: yeah, it's, it's it's like being Asian. You know, karate. I'm yeah. just <laughs> <I'm just laughs> or, next you're Well, you're good at math. Yeah, there you go. Go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> But Alex Perez, man, the first contender series, Dana White contender series fighter to go up and f- at least fight for the title. Good showing in the short time that it was. But to your point, it only takes one little mistake at this level to mm-hmm. be, uh, you know, capitalized on Figueroa did his job, and, and again, we'll touch on the Moreno thing here in a little bit when we talk about his fight with Roy Val, but I mean although I'm a Moreno homer, I really like that guy. I really want him to go up and seize that belt. I just doesn't seem like when you watch Figueroa fight that he's going to be dropping that title anytime soon. And speaking of a flyweight champion who doesn't seem to be like she's going to drop that title anytime soon, Valentina Shevchenko comes away with a unanimous decision against Jennifer Maya. Looked a little dicey there earlier in the fight. Jennifer Maya yeah. was able to use her strength and upper body clinch work up against the fence to kind of nullify Shevchenko's firepower, but ultimately the champ did what needed to do. Took it to deep waters, stayed Focus and ultimately came out on top what are your thoughts
1: yeah i i was really impressed you know jennifer maya definitely was uh stronger than anticipated uh this is the first time we've seen valentina have to in in a while actually have to really work hard uh not only off 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 the cage but really getting back up from the ground you know she really had to work hard and be patient and uh the first few rounds you know uh Jennifer Mai did a real good job at closing the distance, and and if Valentina wanted to let off any strikes, she would really just try to clinch her and close the gap. And, uh, you know, I guess the game plan was definitely to get that lactic acid building up, slow down the striking of Valentina Shevchenko. So the first three or four rounds, really the first three rounds, we didn't get to see a lot of Valentina striking. We actually saw a lot of Valentina wrestling. Yep. Um, Valentina's really, really great at using people's momentum to throw them. That uh, tight waist, you
0: know, switching you know, directions while you have someone moving and scrambling. You know,
1: and that's the thing. Jennifer Meyer a, a few times would come in really hard trying to engage in the clinch. And while they're moving backwards, uh, Valentina would just use that momentum to do quick hip tosses. And, uh, man, she's just so great all around. And, and she was definitely the smaller woman in this fight. Jennifer Meyer is jacked, man. She's super strong. I was very impressed with Jennifer Maya's performance. I mean which, you know, I wouldn't expect anything less because of the fact that it is a championship fight, and so you expect to see the best of a person that night, regardless of if you think they deserve that title shot or not. I know a lot of people are like, well, there's other people in the division. Jennifer Maia lost a—who uh, who did she well, lose? Well, we'll talk about it. Like she lost to Kagan. And like but, Andrade know, and Chukagan are kind yeah. of a
0: two-horse race for who faces Shevchenko next. So that's—you yeah. know, there's like a three-four-person uh, triangle up there at the top.
1: Yeah, but— um. Regardless, um, the way my whole point is the way she came out and performed was much better than I anticipated, and I think a lot of people anticipated. She, it was really a tough fight, but uh, Valentina, just like her sister on this card, was able finally, her, her sister got a good win.
0: Utilized her wrestling and grappling as well. You know, made great well.
1: adjustments and had a dominating win, and I am excited to say that. I said that on the last podcast. Yep. I would love to see her win. I just haven't seen any adjustments, and this time I saw a whole new confidence, not only in Antonia, but Valentina. I mean, being able to... We didn't expect her to wrestle, and and, and especially Jennifer and Maya. Uh, the one thing I wanted to notice around the fourth and fifth round, you know, she just really started letting go with her strikes and, and throwing great one twos down the pipe and great left overhands and, and great spinning back kicks. I mean, just the adjustments that she made from wrestling to striking towards the end, and to see the gas tank that she still had towards the end, uh, Valentina. I was impressed. I mean, this girl's a beast, but this was a much closer fight than I anticipated. I thought it was going to be a striking fest. I thought it was going to be more just Jennifer Meyer not being able to really catch her and and I mean, she was able to get her down a, fir- a few times in the in the first and second round, maybe once or twice. But overall, Valentina was the one with the multiple takedowns and uh, more control time. Uh, the only control time Jennifer might had was really in the second round. Yeah. And 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 then Valentina just made adjustments, like, oh, you want to wrestle? Now I think Valentina just stayed there, got to feel her strength, and said, you know what, I can wrestle this girl.
0: And when you're not striking from the beginning of the fight, it might take a round or two for you, especially like you said, lactic ab- yeah. acid build up and arms are feeling a little heavy for you to figure out your range and the timing of everything because. You're literally not on the feet, you know, downloading and and adjusting. But to your point, like, uh, the second round, I think, was rightfully given to Jennifer Maya, and because the odds makers didn't give her any chance whatsoever, most people thought it was a foregone conclusion, like an execution, in fact. Um, You know, I think what happens is there's a little bit of, like, um, it's not recency bias. That's the wrong way to put it. It's, it's, but it's more like comparative bias, where you just expected her to not do well at all. So by doing, it, having any sort of success, I feel like sometimes people put a little bit extra weight on that. However, I liked your point to say like this is a supposedly the tip top of the spear, highest level uh, if you're in a championship title fight. So you know, for them to be able to rise to the occasion and have their best potential, uh, best possible performance, even in a yeah. loss, you know, it's it's good for her that she made a good account of yeah, herself. Yeah, her
1: stock definitely went up. In my book, in the UFC's book. But for ultimately,
0: sure. the point is is that Valentina won four out of that five, those five rounds. Absolutely. So just because she quote and, unquote had to earn Jennifer it from for I the first game, you know, well, yeah, and she had to earn it for the first time in how many fights? So that's what's standing out to people. So that it just that being like a, a narrative coming out of it that Valentina had, actually kind of had to earn it just is a credit to her dominance over the division yeah. up till this point. So um, I think that later on in the fight she was able to utilize that championship cardio that you were talking about mm-hmm. still be able to be fresh and explosive in those 4th and 5th rounds and then ultimately start showing like you know the gap in skill and you know it was closer fight than expected but ultimately valentina just She ultimately did dominate if you look at the scorecards and all the five takedowns, 62 to 36 and significant strikes like she outlanded her. She took her down. She dominated the top control. So, you know, it's going to be a long time like we were talking before. But uh, unless it's a super fight between Wiley Zhang, who definitely has more to prove in the fly, uh, the strawweight division or a. you know the third fight with Amanda Nunes, which we don't know if that's going to come to There's fruition. There's no rush, so I mean, so like we we said with Chikugian and potentially Andrade having that win over Chikugian, being the next one to potentially face Shevchenko, even you know even that matchup. No offense to Andrade, I just feel like Valentina's leaps, abounds above, and her her attributes, that ability to keep distance or speed, and and Valentina being you know someone that had to lean out and get smaller and cut weight to be able to make 125, where on has, has fought at strawweight straw before, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, I just don't see it happening, like, kind of full circle, what we were talking about with Figueredo, where this seems to be a flyweight champion that's going to be holding onto that
1: title for a long time. Yeah. Um, but great performance, Valentina Shevchenko, you know, went the way called a unanimous decision. Obviously, she had to work much harder than I expected, but you know, I we'll see who she fights next. Really, the only potential opponent I could possibly see here is is—I don't think they're going to rush Amanda Nunes right now in that fight. There's, uh, I I, I it's probably going to be uh, Jessica Andrade. Uh, yeah. Honestly, it's what it's going to be. I mean, she's she is a strong, fast opponent. Um, she's well mixed together, but I feel like she she's too hard headed, and I think she'll play in the striking department too long and we'll have, a very, we'll have a very hard time engaging in getting any wrestling takedowns, especially on a, a bigger uh, opponent who has to cut weight to what get I to say, 125.
0: We, we pretty much just saw the potential stylistic matchup with Maya, someone that's bigger, so and, hits and harder. Strong. And if Andrade's like kind of ace in the hole is her power, which is going up in weight against... And her
1: speed. Her, her speed is going to be uh, is sure. a bigger advantage. In, yeah. And her striking, her speed, it will be, we'll be able to keep up better than Jennifer Maya will in yeah. the striking department. Um, but I don't think... She'll she's going to be, be smaller. She's got, got more distance. Techni- to but have when to it cover. comes to technical, tech, you know, technicality, I don't think she has what it takes to really land on Valentina, especially if Valentina can utilize good push kicks, good kicks. Yeah, she's going to have to set and traps. She's going
0: to have to like set her up. She's not going to be able to just wade in with big hooks, you know.
1: Yeah, unless we have another Rose Namanunis scenario, but uh, I don't, I don't see that happening. Valentina's just very, very strong, very smart, very patient. She's just a very, very – she's got a great fight IQ, and in the moment she listens. She makes great adjustments. She is a world champion and has all the tools uh and, uh, yeah, I don't see her moving for a long time. Really. And you,
0: you already touched on it, so we'll just kind of leave that out later. But her sister, Antonina, yeah. came up with a victory at TKO good, good as well in the second round. And then I guess their mom in the same week also had a—
1: She they, she won the Muay Thai Shadow Boxing World Championship. It
0: was shadow? It was
1: shadow boxing.
0: That's funny because Nora was yeah. talking about this. Was, she was laughing about it being shadow boxing just because I, I thought it was uh, like Shaolin boxing. I no, didn't hear shadow, it. I was, shadow I was
1: World Muay Thai Shadow Boxing Championship. Right on. At 50-plus years old? So
0: not, that's not easy. Try to go shadow box for. And I can. Minute, I thought about it. and straight. I was
1: like, I kind of was like, what? But then I thought about it. It's like it's probably an intense competition. It's like
0: essentially a, like a high paced kata.
1: Yeah, it's probably insane. So yeah. um, let's just touch. Well, guys. Congratulations for the Jim Shaco family. Yeah. Ab- <laughs> yeah. Congratulations. Now, let's just touch up on some of the other fights on the main card, and then we'll move over to Derek Lewis versus um, Curtis Blades. But Tim Means versus Mike Perry. Mike Perry obviously missed weight by almost, I believe, five pounds. Yeah. Um, he even admitted before that weight cut that he was having a really hard time. He was death, and he was like, maybe I should put down the gloves. And I got to cut 20 you know, pounds in hey, five bro, days. At least he came out prior and was like, I'm probably not going to make it. I'd rather have someone do that than come on that scale and then be a douche after they miss weight. He was like straight up like, I might not make it. Shout out to Tim Means for accepting it. Tim Means didn't come for a skill. Like Mike Perry said, he came for a fight, and that's what I love. Tim Means, though, overall, just had a very, very active jab, man. Moved a lot. Uh, Mike Perry was willing to take some to give some, but he really just – Tim Means had such a great active jab and was riding that bike the whole time. It was just very hard for Mike Perry to really gauge the distance and get in close and land some of those big shots. Uh, Tim Means, man, just used that veteran uh, savviness. He was in some deep water in the second round or early in the first round, uh, you know, Mike Perry's never had a submission victory in the UFC, but he's very close to getting a uh, rear naked choke or a good solid neck crank on Mike Perry. Uh, I'm sorry, on Tim Means. But Tim Means obviously was patient, was able to turn into it, Uh, was able to get back up and really just uh, keep distance the whole fight and just was able to just put volume. 128 significant strikes to Mike Perry's 64. Uh, Mike Perry, uh, hopefully you come back and and stronger. He's got quite the interesting circumstances and the interesting life right now. Yeah. He's st- he's gotten a lot more less trash talk and more humble, so I think he's going to grow from this. He's either going to grow or he's going to stop training and and kind of get sluggish. But uh, I don't think that. I think you know Mike Perry's just in a transition period. I think he's still got a lot in him. Um, I have seen a lot of you know watching him t- since this whole change in his life. His strikes to me have gotten a little awkward, a little different. His his punches are very. He doesn't turn over his punches. They're very straight, and he's very linear and he paused with him a paused. lot yeah so um a lot's changed i don't know he's made some different changes in his game um i would like him to get a little looser with the boxing and get better at setting up his right hands and having looser hands and not being so tense and you know just but the guy's game bro the guy but i know he's he's got so much potential man he's got strong kicks uh he's always, he, but he's game he always wants to finish but the thing is he looked for the finish so much that he just ate a lot of a lot of jabs man he ate a lot of just straights down the pipe Uh, Congrats to um, Tim Means. He looks sharp, dirty bird. Uh, Outstruck him by double.
0: Yeah. You know, so I mean, Tim, exactly pretty much, double. He pretty much executed the game plan. I was you know, hopeful that he would be able to. I mean, I called him on the show last week, but ended up switching because part of that weight cut, you, you know, I, I can see your point as far as giving respect for saying ahead of time, look, I don't think I'm going to make it. But I, I personally feel like he was he botched it like he was eating burgers and pushing I like, put shit on out on a social media like a day before, like, fuck, 20 pounds in three days, whatever. And then it's one of those things. I felt yeah. like it was kind of a, somewhat intentional. We've seen people do this before where you miss by a good amount versus a little bit to try to preserve yourself. He even told the schmo, he's like, I'm thinking since I'm a fat boy, I'm just going to lay on him. Like, So I feel like it might have been somewhat tactical on his part to fucking give him 30% and then come away with the victory. All that being said, whether it was or wasn't that, I just knew it was the smaller cage with the apex. Mike Perry hits like a truck and I felt like well, the thing that worried me even before the weight miss was that he could potentially corner Tim Means and back him up against the fence and eventually land one of those bombs. Tim's notorious for taking one or two heavy shots, sometimes coming back and gritting it out, but sometimes that being too much and it rattling him, which in the third round, to your point, he did catch a heavy overhand right, which rattled him a little bit, but no, moved around, to... stayed on his bike. To your point, it's hyper fast jab, very accurate. You know, at, in the third round, Mike Perry, to his credit, was trying to win the fight. He wasn't yeah. wasn't oh, throwing yeah. it in. They stood in the pocket for a little bit and were exchanging for great. a bit, which yeah. was amazing. But I was Tim worried he, for Tim at that moment. But yeah. Tim made
1: the right decision. He's like, maybe I shouldn't be here. And and, and shot and got him against the cage and yep. uh, you know close the distance and kind of held him a little bit, regained his brain back.
0: A couple heavy elbows in the clinch, yeah. t- classic Tim Mean style. But yeah, I think Mike Perry has a lot more potential than we're seeing. This transition period, as you call it, is kind of taking away from his performance in my opinion and whether it's you know coming in not prepared weight wise and then maybe not having the elite cardio for all those rounds or just kind of like taking whatever fight he needs to because you know he's not really in a structured system right now with a management company and and a coach that's maybe advising him and things like that keeping him sharp but he has shown evolution in terms of his like grappling and wrestling which is good to see in Mm -hmm. terms of like this part of his career he's still making new um adding new folds to the game but you know Hopefully, like you said, he turns a corner. He gets a little bit of structure and discipline in his life. And, uh, you know, he's got a baby on the way. So hopefully, all these things can come together and we can have the best of Mike Perry still be ahead of him.
1: Yeah, I'd love to see him make some positive changes. Looks like he's getting humble, and uh, that's great. Uh, you got to
0: go through the shit to get humbled sometimes. Yeah, he's man. Dir- I feel like he's in that part.
1: No, for sure. He's but he's a character, man. I love watching him fight. I was excited to watch him fight. Every time I watch him, he's just got this aura energy about him. It's just it's just fun. It's
0: he's just- a true fighter. That's for damn sure. Oh,
1: for sure. Um, moving on to the next fight. Caitlin Chuk- Chukagan for uh, Cynthia Calvillo went exactly how I expected it. I just thought Caitlin was much more experienced and we saw that experience here. Cynthia Calvillo had a real hard time striking clinic. I'm surprised they honestly counted that first takedown because, you know, honestly, that that first takedown, the first one that Cynthia went for, Caitlin got up within, like, two seconds. Like, she fell on her butt. Uh, Cynthia Calvillo had a leg and, uh, Caitlin Chukagan was able to stand up on the other leg and get up very, very quick. Um, so I'm surprised they even counted that takedown. I thought they wouldn't, there wasn't, there wasn't any control to me in this fight from that, for that takedown to be counted. Uh, but Hey, that's how it goes. Uh, but overall, I mean, Caitlin just kept the range, kept the distance, was able to just pop great jabs, great push kicks. Uh, just Cynthia Calvillo couldn't find a range that night, had a hard time, couldn't get a takedown, couldn't get anything. She. <laughs> You know, six, it says 69 to 60, uh, so it looks close on paper, but when you watch the fight, Caitlin Chukagan clearly just w- had the better range, had the better distance, had the better timing, was more accurate in her strikes. And, um, you know, Caitlin Chukagan just more experienced, you know. Cynthia Calvillo, just to me, it sh- she couldn't find a range. Couldn't yeah. find a range, uh, wasn't active enough. She started getting active towards like the last 40 seconds. Of the of the third round, which is what she she needed to box like that early, like she found a range sometimes when you can't find your range, you know, uh, sometimes you got to just get in the pocket, you you can't, you got to get in the pocket, you need to set up strikes like one of my favorite strikes to get in the range is a jab just to get their hands up in front of their face. Uh, left hook, hard left hook, but uh, it's a hopping left hook, so I, I step slightly to the left, but it, it allows me to get in the pocket, and when I left hook them, it allows me to turn their weight and get them off balance, so at least when I'm in the pocket, I'm not going to eat any hard strikes. But just throwing a jab to and a left hook. It occupies that
0: power hand, puts you on the outside angle from their exactly. power hand. just
1: to get you in that pocket. I didn't see a lot of her trying to get in that pocket, setting up. I think she has a difficult time with long fighters. We saw that here, um, and really, she was just slightly out of range. Even when she was backing up and Caitlin was striking, she was even out of range to counter... Um. so it's just this is a, a simple problem of not being able to, to find your range and not being able to commit to getting inside the pocket or cutting off the cage properly, <laughs> and at the end of the day, Caitlin's just way more experienced, uh, more accurate in my eyes, and, and is, is a high-level opponent for Cynthia. It's a real test, and and uh, she's a, a heavier opponent, and she's and she's a very tall opponent, and she's got good grappling defense, and, and she's fought the, the top people, Valentina Shipchenko. She's fought in the best, and so she's probably trained really hard and 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 has much more experience in grappling in other areas than you would expect.
0: I mean, she had a taste of that title shot, even though she came away on the losing end of it. But yeah. she wants to get that back. She understands the landscape of the division. Andrade is probably going to get the next shot, like we discussed. So she's only essentially one fight away but from potentially getting another shot at Valentina. And, uh, you know, she's a perennial top contender. She's been around for a long time. She's got a lot of experience, like you said. She's good everywhere.
1: Yeah, I just thought it was a really big jump for Calvillo. Absolutely. I, I,
0: I think I gave a little bit too much credence to the uh, smaller cage. And I knew game plan wise, Cynthia Calvillo is definitely going to need to close the distance, put her up, Caitlin up against the cage and kind of get her hands on her and start to try to grapple her and and wear her out and eventually get her to the ground. But uh, to your point, Caitlin was much bigger, stronger in the clinch, uh, and she just has good grappling defense to the point where her technique is there, her strength is there, is is evidence. So this was essentially just a striking clinic where... uh, Caitlin was able to use that footwork and stay on her bike and a good jab, yep. like you said, teep kicks, and utilize every single inch of that octagon and uh, never really had her back on the fence for too long, and, nope. and it was a clinic. That's all she wrote. I mean, I switched her in the week, and this is one of the ways I thought Caitlin could win if she was going to win. I mean, essentially, it's the same. It's her game plan for most fights, given her, her style, but... I had a feeling Kevy was going to get a hold of her, so I'm glad I switched last minute.
1: Yeah, I was kind of not glad you switched <laughs> last minute. Right, uh, same
0: but, one with the Paul Craig thing. I switched to, from Paul Craig to Hua. I'm sure you're happy uh, yeah, I switched yeah, on yeah. this I one.
1: I am, because you might you would have been ahead on me this week. I was able to... Well, you guys will hear. Yeah, I was able to sneak by by and one and point. Two and a half minutes. But, um, you know, yeah, dude, Paul Craig, man, made great adjustments, and dude was able to get the TKO, was able to take his back, flatten him out in the, what was it, the second round? And yeah, he was able to get... Uh, the TKO actually made uh, Shogun tap to strikes. Yeah. Which shows you just the the, the strength that Craig had, that Shogun was in a position to where he looked tired already, man, in that second round. So uh, Shogun, to me, looked more labored in this fight than he did in the original fight with uh, Paul Craig. For some reason, I think his age really showed in this fight. And Paul Craig really just... What separated this fight from the last fight they had is that Paul Craig usually starts out slow and ends up getting hit a lot and makes adjustments and then doesn't wake up till the third round. But in this fight, he was awake immediately. He was very active. He was pressing the action. He started – he had a better pace. He had a much better pace. He started more active, and he just woke up. He woke up, and he, and, and I think we're going to see – this is the kind of Paul Craig that we need to see. I think this is a very good and – excellent fighter here uh, the the Paul Craig that I saw last night was a very sharp active really mixed his strikes together he actually came out with a tie stance mm-hmm. if you watch his fight he was what left leg was up he was more tie fighting he was checking kicks he had a more tie stance and then he went straight to striking not, when I say striking, more of a wider stance, he was able to mix up stances, change his striking, change his angles and movements, and, and overall was able to implement his striking with good double legs on Shogun. He had a great one-two in the face to a good sharp, sharp double legs, too. Um, so, yeah, it was excellent.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think he'd basically, like, we normally know him for his jiu-jitsu, and we were saying there's no way he's going to sub Shogun, you know. But ultimately, that youth, that activity, that pace, and then the wrestling, that in-between grappling, which not only tired had out, but made him basically be able to put it, the fight in the positions he wanted to be in. And ultimately, if you're not going to put him away with the submission, those heavy hands, uh, you know, who has only... He has tapped one other time to strikes. I can't recall who it was from. But to your point, it just showed that... Probably like CM Punk. Well, he didn't feel like he was going to be getting (laughs) out of that position and he was taking heavy shots. And I'm going to agree with Dana White on this one and say that would looked more like a shell of himself and it might be time for him to hang up the gloves. And if I was Dana White and he had two more fights on his deal, I think he mentioned, like, let's match make him appropriately. I know in the UFC they don't like to do that, but, like, you Andre Arlovski. Let uh, him go up to heavyweight. Anderson Silva. Yeah, you know what hey. I'm saying. They, they, Anderson Silva has one more fight on his deal, and he's saying he's not going to honor it. So, but Anderson left the door open, saying he potentially might want to come back for the last fight on his deal. So, I mean, come on. If they want to stick around, let's let's match make them accordingly, so they're not feeding them to lions like we've been seeing.
1: Yeah, uh, Silva versus Shogun would be a fun fight to watch. I think it's a fight that Silva can win, especially when since, since Silva is is coming real close to winning a lot of these close fights with the best guys in d- its in in division right now, which is impressive. So, I think someone has, uh with the performance that Shogun had last time, I think that'd be a good uh, career-ending uh, win for... Um uh, Anderson Silva. That'd be fun, so we'll see if that happens. But uh, let's top off with some of the last fights that we want to mention before we move on to Derek Lewis versus um, Curtis Blades. Uh, Brendan Moreno versus Brendan Royval. That was a fight I was really, really excited to see. It was super exciting all the way up till the last two seconds of the very first round. Uh, very scrappy. Both these guys were sharp, throwing bombs. They were both slick in the grappling department. They are both slippery noodles. Man, these guys were just super, I would say, sp- uh, very spazzy, and that's why it's fun because these guys are just so, there's just so much movement and, and action. These guys are so close to getting one submission, another guy slips out. It's just super fun to watch, action-packed. Unfortunately, Brandon Royval uh, was getting, uh, wasn't getting ground and pounded too bad, but it was like the last 10 seconds of the fight, the reason why he had to turn his back and start getting uh, ground and pounded was because Brandon Royval, unfortunately, dislocated his arm, was screaming in pain, In the last two seconds, the fight was called by a, uh, my by Mark Goddard, who is the referee of this fight. Um, and unfortunately, it's such a bummer because this is a fight where uh, most fighters, if their arm pops out, can they just pop it back in? And they're good to go. And I would have loved to see uh, two more rounds of this. But I mean, Brandon Royval to me, doesn't lose any stock because he was competing very up to that moment till his shoulder popped out. But Brandon Moreno, I mean, just a dominant opponent, his ground pressure, his shoulder pressure, just everything about him just crushes opponents, was able to dislocate the arm of Brandon Royval. Uh, yeah, and I think that's who we're going to see next. Uh, I'm hoping they push Brandon Moreno. That's who we originally thought was going to get that title shot, but it was given Alex Perez against Davidson Figueroa. So we'll see. I, let's see Brandon Moreno and uh, Figueroa. Let's go for it, you know.
0: Yeah, and Roy Val's definitely gonna come back and, and have oh, another yeah. bounce back performance. And um, yeah, it's like I'm glad you said that Moreno was able to dislocate because that's what happens. It's during a scramble. If you're defending against somebody, it's a fight. Anything can happen. So ultimately Roy Val just standing there wouldn't have dislocated his shoulder. Moreno and him scr- scrambling is what ultimately might have happened. So just it's it's team, not man. like an illegitimate win or anything by Moreno, but of course you, me, every fight fan expect this to be fight of the night. So we would have loved to see two more rounds. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm sure we would pop you know possibly we will see this uh, them run it back in the future because it was it was definitely teeing up to be very very exciting. Yes. So if the UFC can rebook this, I'm sure they will. But to your point, I really hope they do give Moreno that next title shot against Figueroa, and uh, I'll be just really excited to see that how that plays out. And then they can even give you know maybe even give Roy Val Perez right. They both lost tonight. Flyweight, well, yeah, yeah, that's this an excellent decision. Entire card was showcasing the flyweight division, so it'd be good to see some of these losers face losers and things like that to move the division. Yeah, along. loser. But uh, as far as that goes who wasn't a loser on the night, keeping the highlight reel going. Joaquin Buckley, the guy with that spinning uh, head kick of Impa and I heard around the world a couple weeks ago, quick turnaround, make short work of Jordan Wright. And then at the end, during his post-fight press conference, he wouldn't say his name, but everyone, including Joe Rogan, knew that he's trying to call out James Krause because my man Krause does not like anything about Joaquin Buckley if you've heard his comments about him. It's hilarious. So, um, you know, that might have to happen at Welterweight because that's where... uh, uh, Kraus, you know, normally fights. So who knows? Kraus put out a post that said, say my name to Buckley because he wouldn't say it on the broadcast. But uh, yeah, man, he gets it done. He keeps it, keeps the highlight train going. Yeah, Sorry.
1: before we move on, I just want to mention, you know, I was, I was, the guy's got power, man. But in the beginning of this first round, I mean, I wasn't impressed, honestly, with Jordan Wright. You know, he had a lot of hype behind him watching. He was undefeated. I watched him strike, and he was Taekwondo, mixed karate guy, like fancy striker, and thought he could be a world champion. But I did not see, honestly, out of striking, his, his striking was very inaccurate. His his punches were very from his chest. He was very too tight, stiff. I wasn't impressed. Also, with Jaquan Buckley, um, he threw a lot of bombs and haymakers and left his chin exposed a lot, too. He's called him Jaquan? Yeah. It's Joaquin. Oh, my God. <laughs> <But> go ahead. <laughs> Man. Sorry, Jaquan. Jaquan. Joaquin Buckley. Dude, I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> reading it like Buckley, man. I'm well, s-
0: We've said it a few times, so I that's know. why I was like... Joaquin. Are you Joaqu- making Joaquin. a joke right now? I swear Buckley. it's a bit you're Maybe doing. Maybe I was making a joke. I swear it's a bit he's doing, guys.
1: Yeah, I just it's, wanted to change it up. It's out. like, what names is he going to use this week? Yeah, that's what I'm known for. But, you know, I... The thing is, once uh, Buckley starts going up there and, and, and starts facing top five guys, I think he's going to have a real issue if he's going to if he's gonna start throwing bombs like that and leaving his shin exposed. So I'm hoping he was a little... I feel like he's a little under pressure to get a, 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 another fashionable knockout. Oh, this was a
0: showcase matchup for, for sure, sure for him. So for he was sure. trying to get that highlight reel. You
1: know, but uh, there, I saw a lot of flaws there, and I don't want him to get... You know, I know he's tight and he's a good striker, but what I saw was a lot of uh, very... Hands down, throwing bombs, you know, sometimes he's missing and, and Jordan would get an angle. He can get exposed very quickly, especially his chin. So I'm hoping that he just relaxes a little bit. You know, it's more, you know, calm with the striking, uses his jab a little bit more, sets up his strikes and doesn't just throw bombs. Because once we get up to the top five, you know, once he gets higher in the rankings, I think he's going to have a real difficult time. Uh, and, it, and people are going to expose him in that area. So I hope he relaxes, calms down. But, I mean, the guy's got power for days, so. Um, I just want to make sure. I, I mean, he's not going to hear me. I mean, but that's
0: I, what happens with quote unquote uh, hype trains or people that are skyrocketing the division. It's like they, are, especially in this case where it's a featured matchup. Like they are literally matchmaking him to try to help gain some even more buzz and hype around this guy. I mean, no offense to Jordan Wright, but. I mean, it was it was a showcase matchup, like no question in my opinion. And Joaquin Buckley capitalized on it. Yeah. So with those types of fighters, you're gonna get these good sides of them and make him look super explosive. But someone like you, to the trained eye, is seeing liabilities, flaws, abilities for other people yeah. to capitalize on some mistakes, committing, over committing, things like yeah, that. So, so if he faces my man James Kraus, I'd love I'd love to see James Kraus put some work in.
1: Yeah. So we'll see. Uh, and we'll just touch on some other ones. Antonio Shipchenko uh came away with the second round. KO Again, was able to take the back and get in some good ground and pound. Congrats. Nicholas Dalby. Daniel Rodriguez is a tough guy. Trains to Joe Schilling. He's a really tough guy, man. Super fun to watch.
0: I didn't agree with this decision, by the way. but Really? It is what it is. It's hard
1: because Nicholas Dalby did a really good job at keeping distance. Threw a lot of kicks and, and did a real good job at not taking too much damage. Um. So I mean, it I don't
0: think it was a robbery, but I just, I mean, based on the numbers, I know there was more control on Dalby's Dolby's end, but
1: Dolby looked more in control, and I think that's where where it went to. To the yeah. refs, so uh, yeah. And then Alan Joe Band
0: comes away with a good decision victory over Jared Jeff Gooden. Gordon. Jeff Gordon. I, I
1: remember Daniel Daniel Cormier was like, man, sure. He, he was like. He was like, "What did he say?" He said, "Oh, Jared." He, he called him Jared Gordon. He's like, "He's an NAS- Oh, sorry, he's not a NASCAR driver. And I yelled on the screen, "I was like, it's not Jared Gordon. It's Jeff Gordon." Yeah, exactly. Come
0: on, DC. Stop, stop
1: Don't si- disrespect
0: Jeff Gordon stop, like that. Stop stealing Dale Earnhardt Gordon. Stop <laughs> kneeling, stealing, stealing ga- uh, Nate's. I can't even fucking speak. Stop stealing Nate's gimmick. Yeah, man. All right, well, Kyle Dacus also gets oh, a win over Dustin Stoltzfus in the I, middleweight fight. I just see
1: Doofus when I see his whole name. And like then a doofus. big
0: underdog, Sasha Plotikanov, takes out Luis Koske. Both debuters in the UFC. He put in work, took him out in the third round. So that does it for UFC 255, Figueroa versus Perez. Give us one second. We'll come back, recap the points for the predictions challenge, and then look ahead at next week. Give you our picks. Give us one second. All right, we are back. Real quick, before we jump into next weekend's picks, predictions challenge. Man, it's coming down to the wire. Only four weeks left, as I mentioned earlier. I got to make a move. I got to do something to close this gap. We're going to go over the points real quick. We both got a goose egg on Roy Val versus Moreno fight. We both got Roy Val. Unfortunate injury at the end of the first round popped out of his shoulder. Uh, but man, was that fireworks up until that point. Uh, we both got a goose egg on Shogun Hua. If you guys were paying attention from last week to this week, I did make a couple of, uh, switches of my picks as I do. Should have went with my gun on uh, Paul Craig there, but ended up switching it, so zero points for both of us. The Chikugian pick, I did switch over to Chikugian by unanimous decision, which is what she got, so I got four points there. He was going for it, took a stab at the split decision, so ended up only getting three points on that one. Man, I should have stayed with my dirty bird pick, but I switched over to Mike Perry thinking that he may be uh, coming in a little heavy and looking to take him out in the first round. So we both got a goose egg on Perry, and then Shevchenko, she ended up going the full distance. Nate got three points there on the unanimous decision, and I got one because i thought she put her way inside the distance and then on the main event davis Figueroa ended up putting out uh alex perez in the first round as we went over i was going for the third round tko he called fourth so we both just got one point there ending the week seven to six by nate up by one point so he's extending his lead by eight 208 to 200 so needless to say i'm really looking forward to getting into these picks so let's get to it ufc fight night curtis blades is taking on Derek lewis so it's going to be fun as hell in the main event that this card not as much name value as there has been like for instance on UFC 254 UFC 255 wasn't bad but it just kind of you know lived up exactly to the hype didn't really exceed it much or didn't really disappoint but overall was not a bad card but this particular one's one of those that you know not as much name value necessarily but should have some fire matchups and a lot of fun fights to look forward to especially in the co-main event it's probably one i'm looking forward to the most henato moikano is taking on hafeo fiziev at lightweight so moikano has had a lot of uh success at featherweight yeah, but he hasn't been able to crack that top three and get himself, you know, up there at the title shot. So he's taking a fight at lightweight against Rafael Fiziev, who is the Tiger Muay Thai uh, striking coach that we've seen kind of bust onto the scene here in the UFC. I think he's only had one or I believe it was only the one fight that he had uh, in Fight Island. And he man, he didn't disappoint. He's got hellish leg kicks. He's got beautiful Muay Thai technique. He's fast as fuck. Super explosive. He's got that lean back, that Sanshire or traditional Thai lean back uh, move down, man. This guy is just super explosive and ever since I saw him fight I couldn't wait to see him fight again. So now that he's facing Hoinato Moicano, I'm extremely pumped for this matchup. Josh Parisian, not to be confused with Carl Parisian is coming back to take on Parker Porter. Gina Mazzani is taking on Rachel Ostevich. Miguel Baeza is taking on Takashi Sato at welterweight. And then Anthony Leinhart's Smith is taking on Devin Clark in the curtain jerker of the main card at Light Heavyweight. So that's the main card, guys. And on the prelims, a couple fun ones are Ashley Evans-Smith, friend of the gym. MT Fitness is taking on Norma Dumont in the main uh, featured matchup of the prelim card. Martin Day is taking on Anderson Dos Santos. And then a couple other fun matchups, including Spike Carlisle is coming back to take on Bill Algeo. So I'm really looking forward to this card. Some of the I guess more hardcore fans will know who these names are, but uh, I I would highly recommend you make sure to check these out and including the prelims. We always uh, encourage you guys to do that. So let's uh, start with the first one. I'm going to turn it over to you, Nate. Which ones do you want to pick?
1: Well, since we know her personally, I think as far as the prelims go, we'll do Ashley Evans-Smith versus Nora Dumont. Then we'll go to the main card. We'll pick uh, Anthony Smith, obviously Leonard Smith, Devin Clark. We'll do Miguel Beza versus uh, Takashi Soto. Uh, Gina Masne versus uh, Rachel Ostevich. Uh, Renato Mocano, of course, versus Rafael Fizev. And then Curtis Blades, obviously, and Derek Lewis. And I think that's what we should go for. You down?
0: Hell yeah, let's go.
1: All right, so let's start with on um, the prelim cards. Let's actually start with uh, Ashley Evans-Smith versus Nora Dumont. So I've known Ashley for a very long time, since the sub-fighter days. Um, I've watched her early career. Um, her her background originally, I mean, all throughout high school and her younger days when she was in school was she was a wrestler. She's a very good wrestler. Um, you know, her 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 record has been on and off in the UFC. You know, she's had some good fights and then some really close calls. She always brings up a good uh she always brings the game. Um she she's got good striking. I know she does. I feel like though I, I want her to get back to her wrestling a little bit. I want to see her mix it up a little more. I know she's a tough wrestler. Um I think Ashley has the potential to mix things up a little bit better than Nora Dumont. I know Ashley's working very hard on social media. She's into recovery now. Her whole lifestyle's changed. Her whole mindset's changed so um, I really want to see Ashley get the win here. I know she's making very positive changes in her life and really focusing on becoming a better athlete, not only an athlete but a person, and I see those changes. Um, so I'm hoping that she mixes it up and, and implements a wrestling, and uh, and I'm sure striking's only getting better. She's constantly improving. Um, for now, uh, for this fight, I'm going to say that it's going to be because I know Norma Dumont, though, is her, she has two wins on a record. Uh, a few decisions. She's more than two wins. She's four and one. But um, two of those wins are submissions. So I know she's got some ground game, but so does Ashley. Um, so I'm going to for now, I'm going to I'm going to give it to Ashley here just based on experience and who she's fought. Um, I'm going to say Ashley's going to win by unanimous decision.
0: Yeah, I'm going to go the same. I think she's able to grind out this uh, Dumont chick in terms of the grappling up against the fence, you know, hold her own on the feet and maybe have some good exchanges, but ultimately, I I don't know this personally, but game plan-wise, you know, put her up against the cage, get her on her back, because Norma's jiu-jitsu has mostly been, like those the submissions, I believe, were from top position, so I'm I'm not sure uh, both of them, but my point being is that I don't necessarily see Norma you know subbing Ashley off her yeah. back. If Ashley's got that top pressure, uh, ground and pound, she's active enough. My only concern in this fight is that um, Ashley is recently, you know, she started her career at Bantamweight, but she's fought at flyweight over the last few years uh, since 2018, and so this is her first time back up at Bantamweight, although to your point, we've been seeing her work her butt off and she's kicking ass in the gym and she's putting on a lot of uh, muscle and she's definitely going to be strong in this fight. My concern is, is um, attribute-wise, it looks like they're about the same. In fact, Ashley's a tiny bit taller. So um, as long as she's got the strength advantage and she doesn't seem to be getting like um, outmaneuvered in terms of like size and strength, yeah. then, then I think that she's got that clear path to victory. And I'm going to go Ashley Evans-Smith by unanimous decision yeah, as well. Yeah,
1: and also we have to play into... Into part, you know, weight cut, you know, it might be easier on her. She might feel healthier. Exactly. Uh, flyweight, I know for a long time, flyweight was difficult for her to get. It's a lot of work. I mean, she naturally, she's a, a big girl. I'm not saying you're fat, actually. Well, maybe a little bit. No, I'm just kidding. But, um, so, you know, she might feel healthier at this weight. She might feel stronger at this weight as well. Not only is she putting on muscle, but she might feel, you know, healthier and stronger here. So, especially, uh, this is going to be at the apex, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, we'll see. I know she's actually over there now, uh, currently training. So, um, yeah, we'll see where it goes. But, yeah, we both uh, pick you to win, Ashley, unanimous decision. Uh, let's see you mix it up. Let's see you get back to that wrestling roots, and let's see you put on a clinic. Let's go. Yep.
0: All right. Well, that makes it. that's it for the prelims card, guys. We're just going to do the one there. So moving on to the curtain jerker of the main card, Devin Excuse Clark me? versus Anthony Smith. What did you say? I called it a curtain that's jerker. That's disgusting. Why? whatever do you mean?
1: Jerking? Curtain jerking? Oh, beef that?
0: jerky. I got beef jerky from up in Isabella. It's right there on the oh, table. Oh, What is it? Yes. What is it called? Tell everyone.
1: Carnivore candy beef jerky, garlic pepper, natural smoke flavor it's not added. not much left, but you can ha- I have like how add they, it. Dude, I like how they put a flosser in here for you. That oh, yeah, is yeah, high they, class. Hell yeah. They give Every, you one of those uh, picks, one of those yeah, pick flosses. Dude, hey, that, <laughs> a shout, that's a note to sell for all beef jerky companies. Put a floss pick yeah, free, inside free your side. free shout, shout out, out for, bag. what was it, candy what? Carnivore candy. Gourmet meat snacks. Carnivore candy. Yummy. Wow. Anyways. What's the next fight we're calling there, Dustin? Oh, sorry.
0: the The Jerky Jerky McJerk Jerk is the <laughs> first fight of the main card. I,
1: I'm, we should. I I wish. I bet you there's someone named Jerky McJerk Jerk. I'm sure there is. Probably someone in like Kansas or something. Hopefully, listen. Hey,
0: he's to, shout out to shout to Kansas. <laughs> Hopefully, he's listening to this show. Reach out to us, man. We'll have you on.
1: Hey, that's me, boy. Get, I'm Jerky McJerk Jerk.
0: What is it? The Para Para Haro Testies online on Twitter. Harry Paratesties. Harry Paro Testies. Sorry. Yes. Look him yes. up on Twitter. Yes, he's hilarious. Think, yes,
1: I think I still have them actually. <laughs> Anthony Smith, Devin
0: Clark is the first fight of the main card. Let's get to it.
1: Um, Anthony Smith has had a hard time these last two fights. You know, he came in, he was smashing competition, he was the legend killer, um, but I mean, after that performance, Glover Teixeira, who's on fire right now, um, just put a beating on Anthony Smith, and then Anthony Smith again. Again, Alexander Rakic just put on a massively great performance against uh, Anthony Smith, forty-four to nine, significant compared to significant strikes. Forty-four, he outstruck him a lot. Um, so, Anthony really, really needs a win right now. He really needs a win, um, or else I think his career is going to start going down the potty. Not his, not his legacy, not who he is as a fighter, but I feel like when it comes to his momentum, I think he really needs this win. But you know. Clark is a extremely tough opponent. He's 12 and 4. He's young, he's fresh, he's hungry. But um he tends to go to decisions a lot. I, Anthony Smith has fought a lot of good opponents. Usually I would go with the underdog here for underdog points, but I told you it's getting kind of close here and I kind of got to go with who I think's going to win, and I think Anthony's going to pull this one out finally. I think he's going to win but i think it's going to be a close fight but i I still think anthony's going to win by unanimous decision i think he's going to be able to keep the distance i feel like he's going to be a safer fighter i think he's going to be focused i think he knows that he needs this win we all think he needs this win i think a lot of people knows that he know that he needs this win i think for me to, to even want to watch him again if he loses again i feel like he's going to start losing not losing his credibility but um no, he's also very old. He's been he's uh, he's been fighting for a very, very long time. So uh, the time is now, and he needs this win. So I think Anthony Smith, I'm hoping, knowing what he needs, that he's going to pull it off. I think he will. So let's say Anthony Smith, unanimous decision.
0: He's 32, and I'm 35, so I'll take uh, offense to that. No, I'm just kidding, but you're but totally right. To, Five to miles, he's got 33. 33. and
1: 16. I mean, the guy has over 40, 46, 49 fights.
0: Yeah, and that's just uh, his professional MMA career. He's been fighting since he was on the streets. You know, as a kid, he's just kind of one of those rough-and-tumble, like, real true fighters uh, through and through. So he's got a lot of miles on him. So in terms of, like, fight age and fight miles, like, yeah, you're right. He's up there. And you can't lose three in a row and stay top of the division. So um, although he has faced those top-level opponents, I mean, he went, took – uh, went five rounds with John Jones look great in his outing against Gustafson but then since then dropped two can't lose three in a row and stick around at the top of the division I mean he's transitioning out into the like the uh, broadcaster role and, and he's got some other things lined up so kind of similar to the Alan band which we saw last weekend I feel like they're just trying to stay enough relevant as they transition out like I mean he'll tell you he's he's chasing the title and that's the only reason that he's in the game and and you know I feel like on any given Saturday, if he fights to the best of his ability, he can contend. But you're right. Age does catch up with you. Miles do catch up with you. I'm, I was telling you this off air, and uh, the, it comes down to me that if he can use his attributes and his length and his ability to stay on the outside, utilize his jab and, and long-range weapons – and stay, you know, keep his back off the cage in that smaller apex uh, octagon. Stay out of trouble for 15 minutes, then I think he's got this in the bag. For now, though, I'm I'm going to take a stab at the underdog. I'm going to go Devin Clark, and I'm going to go with a second round TKO. My my you know, hunch but not hope because I'm a big fan of Anthony Smith is that Devin is able to push the pace, eventually just get him close enough to uh, in range to land a a big bomb and then he kind of wilts from there because Devin Clark is a finisher at times even can gas himself out trying to go for the finish, but he's got that killer instinct. I feel like if he hurts Anthony on the feet at some point, um, he's going to try to put him away so and if he ultimately goes the same kind of to share a game plan to take him down and pound him out, that won't surprise me either. But I hope I'm wrong with this one. I do reserve the right to change, but for now I'm going with the underdog Devin Clark, second round TKO.
1: Very well. That takes us to our next fight. We're gonna call Miguel Baeza versus Takashi Six Nine. Oh, I'm sorry, Takashi Soto. sixteen <laughs> three uh, versus Miguel Baeza. Nine and oh. Let's check out this matchup and let's do our picks. Let's see. Uh, this is going to be a good matchup. Both these guys are finishers, man. Uh, Miguel Beza, uh, last two fights he's finished with TKOs. Takashi Soto, as well as finished with, with some early and mid, uh, knockouts, um, in mid rounds. Um,
0: and he's got a sub in his last couple fights too. Yeah, So he's, he's got skills everywhere.
1: So he's a little bit, he's a little bit older by two years. He's a smaller opponent. He's five ten versus Miguel Beza, who's six two, uh, but he only has a one inch reach disadvantage, um. The strikes landed per minute, um, strikes landed per minute are five point ten from Takashi Soto versus uh, Miguel at five point six seven. So he's a little more accurate per minute with his strikes. But the thing is, Miguel Beza throws a little bit more than Takashi Soto. But uh, what I'm seeing here is Takashi might be the more accurate fighter. He's definitely the more experienced fighter, sixteen and three versus nine and zero. He's also a southpaw, so we'll have to see how Miguel um, fares off against the southpaw and if, if it's a difficult time for him. Um, takedown defense for Miguel is a hundred percent takedown defense for, uh, Tekashi is 80%. Uh, we know that Miguel actually, uh, takes down probably one takedown a fight average for 15 minutes. So he, he probably mixes, he mixes in the takedown. So he's a little comfortable in the ground as well. Um, when I look, uh, the, you know, Miguel's on a three fight win streak in the UFC right now. Uh, one of the more notable names is Aldana, um, went over Brown, um, you know, and then S- Soto went over Saunders, lost to Muhammad, and uh, went over Witt. Uh, but, you know, I'm going to go with the underdog here. I'm going to go with the experience here. Um, I'm going to say this is my underdog pick. I'm going to say Takashi Soto. I'm going to go second-round TKO. I think these guys are going to both – these guys both are, are finishing uh, their opponents. So I, I can see a, a knockout coming out here. It's definitely a welterweight, so there's definitely a, a pretty high potential for that. I'm going to say Takashi Sato. Uh, is going to take it my underdog pick. Uh even though I think Miguel's probably a savage. But uh and he's on a three fight win streak. But I'm going with the experienced guy, sixteen and three. The more experienced guy I'm going with the Southpaw. I think it's be a little more difficult for Miguel to kind of figure out. Uh and I'm gonna say Takashi takes it. Yeah, unanimous I'm uh, sorry, second round TKO for Takashi. I reserve my right to switch, but I probably won't because he's my underdog pick for this card. So
0: yeah, it's a, uh, Looking at the odds for most of the matchups that we're going to be picking, this is definitely a good one for a stab at the underdog pick. I'm going to go with the, the favorite here, but it does make me nervous because, like you said, three fights in the UFC and he's got done well, so he hasn't really faced that adversity in the octagon yet. Uh, Sato has a decent amount of experience. He's got wins and losses in the UFC. He's known how to come back from those and uh, can stay patient and, and over the course of a three-round fight, but to your point, they both are finishers. You're You're seeing a lot of, uh, you know, them putting away of their opponents, both submitting him and knocking him out from Sato's side. And then Baeza, a couple of recent knockouts. So he's going to be looking to probably add to that highlight reel. And I think um, it's going to be close. And I think it's just going to be kind of one of those coin flips. It just matters who lands clean first. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go with Baeza here. And I reserve the right to switch as well. But I'm going to go the same, just opposite as far as the same round. Second round TKO by uh, Miguel Baeza.
1: Roger, that takes us to our next fight. Women's flyweight, Gina Mazzani versus Ra- 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 Raquel? Rachel. Rachel. Oh, with A-E-L. Rachel Ostevich. Uh, Ra- Rachel Ostovich is 4-5, and five, and Gina uh, Mazzani is 6-4. and four. So this should be an interesting fight. Pretty well matched up. Let's take a look at their stuff real quick. Uh, here we're actually going to blow through and talk about it. Um so Gina is a southpaw. She's got, wow, she's 5'6 compared to Rachel Ostevich, who is 5'3. Uh, so so it looks eat.
0: like Gina's going down to flyweight for this one. She's fought at both flyweight so and so
1: She's going to be big for this. Okay, so that's something to take into note. She's a southpaw as well. Uh, a little bit older. She's born in 88 compared to Rachel who was born in 1991. Strikes landed per minute for uh, Gina, 2.75 versus Rachel's 2.32. Uh, so a little more active there. Accuracy is pretty close, pretty even, 49% for Gina, 43% for... Uh, Rachel, uh, strikes absorbed are pretty even three in the three percents. Um, so let's go down here. Um, takedown defense for Gina though is 20% versus, uh, Rachel, who's got a hundred percent takedown defense. But the thing is, Rachel's fought Vanzant, but lost, lost to day La Rosa, uh, win over, uh,
0: Gevorgian.
1: Gevorgian.
0: Sounds like Kevorgian.
1: And then both these girls are actually on one's, uh, <laughs> Gina's on a three fight lost street and, uh. Uh, Rachel Ostevich is on a two-fight lost streak. And then, wow, this is a tough one to pick. Um,
0: this is kind of like I feel like win or go home. Yeah,
1: so th- what I really want to – I think from here we got to really look at if This girl's got a 20% takedown defense. Let's go see Rachel and see if Rachel's been taking down her opponents in the last fight and how she's been winning. So she lost to Paige. got armbarred, so I don't think we have to worry about the ground. Got subbed. Uh, and then she has a win armbar, though. Her first win in there is uh, our bar and she was able to get um, – three takedowns in that fight so okay so Rachel can take down she does have submission capabilities but she also gets submitted herself and now let's go look at Gina's record and how she's been losing and I think we can go from there and pick so Gina lost the last fight got TKO'd uh then she fought Macy uh got TKO'd fought Lena Landsberg got unanimous decision okay got unanimous decision last win her last win was against uh Wu Yanan, in unanimous decision, she outstruck her and got five takedowns. Okay. um, hmm. So I don't think, even though her takedown defense isn't that good, she had a lot of takedowns in that fight. So, you know, now I'm just going to go, let's see who the underdog is, and you're already there. So how can I base this off? I don't think that we're going to see much takedowns. I think it's going to be really sloppy. Uh, Gina is the favorite. Okay. By quite a bit. Uh, what do you think, Dustin?
0: Uh I'm basically gonna go with the underdog in this matchup because to me they're both like you said, uh not on the best of momentums. Like they're both coming off a couple losses in a row. Um well let's take it like you said Gina was the favorite. That probably is purely based on size and experience in the UFC. Well
1: what did she go up in weight? Uh, no, she's going down, down to flyweight. Weight. Okay, so
0: she's fought at bantamweight before. One thirty-five. Okay. It, it has here, mm-hmm. but it looks like she's fighting Rachel at one twenty-five. Okay, so at least gonna... as far as the information. Okay, okay so us. you're
1: going to go with Rachel Ostevich.
0: Yeah, just because it's like it's it's weird. It's no offense to you to the ladies specifically, but yeah, no you know, offense to me, I'm a lady. When we talk about coin flip fights. Normally this, is this isn't the kind I'm talking about, but yeah. this is a coin flip on the other side of the coin, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. So um, I'm gonna go with the underdog just because I don't have any confidence in either one and at least that one incentivizes me to get extra points. So okay. I- I'm gonna go race Rachel Ostevich and I'm gonna Decision. go no, I'm gonna go third round um I'm gonna go third round submission. submission yeah. Okay. I'm, actually I'm, I'm shooting for those points. If I'm going okay. for it on this one, I'm yeah. going to go for the points.
1: I'm actually going to go with the favorite here, Gina, just because she's going down away. I think she's going to be very big for this weight class, five, six. Um She's going to have much more uh, range. She's also a southpaw. I think it's going to take time for uh, Rachel to make some adjustments, especially against a southpaw. It's very close on paper, but based on the fact that Rachel, Those my, attributes my right biggest thing was Gina had a 20 percent takedown defense. I know Rachel does have a submission one on her record, but she's also been losing a lot. But I also saw on Gina's record that the fight she did when she had five takedowns so the girl can wrestle. Well, it depends who she's fighting. If a girl's got garbage wrestling, then anyone can wrestle. Um, but I know she can she she's got grit. She can do takedowns. Um, I don't think she'll get submitted. I think it's going to be, honestly, I think it's going to be kind of sloppy. I think it's going to be a very aggressive, like, eyes closed, both of them just running forward at each other and pun- throwing straight punches um, and grazing each other, and it's going to just go to who lands the most. I think it's going to be Gina. I think Gina, hopefully she can use her range um, and uh, use the fact that she's a southpaw to, uh, you know, keep her uh, Rachel at distance, uh, not put herself in a situation where she gets taken down and submitted. I don't really know the games. Like, Rachel's not a submission specialist. She just has a win with a the submission. There's yeah. not much for me to go off of. Both the records are at like a 50, almost a 50%. Pretty much, yeah. They're it's both. the
0: battle for the 50% 50-50 record. Yeah, yeah,
1: you know, pretty much. So um, I'm just going to go with the favorite just because I think she's going down a weight. So I'm, I'm assuming she'll be uh, uh, stronger. She'll be the bigger opponent. I feel like maybe this is a weight class that she'll do better in because maybe she was too small for ban weight. Uh, or maybe she just, just wasn't strong enough compared to the women in Bantamweight. So maybe this is a better cut for her. Maybe this is a better uh, division for her. And I think that's what she's trying to do because the record's not the greatest. She needs to do something to make a change. So I'm going to say this change is going to be positive, and I'm going to say Gina's going to win but by decision. I, I think Gina's going to win a unanimous decision.
0: All right, and then we're going to skip over the Josh Parisian versus Parker Porter fight. Um, in terms of their attributes and their records and stuff, it looks like it might be a banger of a heavyweight matchup someone going to sleep, so I would definitely check that one out. But the co-main event, Hanato Moicano versus Rafael Fizia. I'm, I'm, I am I'm think this is going to be the fight of the night. Really looking forward to this one. Um, if Hanato Moicano uh, is able to... Like, for instance, when he fought Jose Aldo, I felt like he got a bit overwhelmed uh, by the moment and by the situation. He was a big, you know... I, Jose Alzo is an idol of his, so I think if he can come back and be laser-focused and, and and perform to his ability, that this right here is going to be the fight of the night. Fiziev is explosive in all, every single aspect of the striking game, super fast, super quick. So uh, let's break this one down. And wow, it's just wow. Fiziev is the favorite. It's like only three now, four fights in the UFC. It was Hanato Moicano, who's fought, you know, a a killer's row at fly at featherweight. I mean, granted, it's a lightweight. I think that actually he's going to look better this one. Yeah,
1: the thing too is you got to think Moicano's got. It's very well rounded. He's got great ground. He's very well rounded, and that's where I think is the ultimate test for uh, for Rafael is is. Um, yeah, they're, I think they're both going to strike a lot, but when it comes down to having to make adjustments, I think Renato is going to be the guy who can threaten him, be a more threatened multiple positions than just Raphael. So we have to, this is a, I think a fight, we're going to see Raphael's ground game. And if he's, if he's able, his clinch game is back's probably going to be against the fence, uh, especially if he's the striker that everyone's talking him up to be. But Moicano can fight too, man. He can strike. I mean, yeah. he's phenomenal. He's really phenomenal. So when we look at the record here, um, you know, Rafael De was was uh, a good prospect. I really like watching him fight, but he had a phenomenal win over De win over White, but he obviously lost his debut to uh, what is it, Mustavez? Moustap- M- M- Mustavez. Mustavez. Um, so let's actually, I think what's important, we got to go look. Let's go look at Raphael and see how he won these fights. So we can kind of give you guys an insight. Usually we go off air and talk about them so we can make it quick. But I think it's cool for you guys to see how we pick fights. Uh, so Raphael, his last win was unanimous decision against uh, D'Casey. And De a tough opponent, man. But he outstruck him 78. Oh, and he had a takedown. So that's great. So, you know, he, he's, he can mix it up. We see he's got a takedown. Also, his last fight, uh, unanimous decision versus Alex White. 66 strikes to Alex White. 55. Also had a takedown in that fight, uh, but the loss against Magomed Mustave, um, he got taken down, and well, he got taken down once, um, and then uh, he got knocked
0: down once. Not, and, and it was it was again, how it finished. It was a yeah, KO I, spinning back kick. Yeah, I don't remember he that. He only fight. had
1: one strike in that fight, so he got taken down, and he got one strike in that fight. Rafael did, and then he got knocked out. So that was a pretty. I guess, bad debut for a guy who's got a lot of hype like that. That was pretty quick. Now we go to Moicano over here. Last fight, win, sub, rear naked choke. Uh, He had a loss to KO against uh, Chang Sun Jung, obviously Korean zombie, who's an absolute savage. Uh, Lost to Aldo. So you're already looking at, and then he got a win over Cub Swanson. Beat Calvin Cater. Beat Calvin Cater. Um, and then is that Jeremy Stevens that we're going down to? Yep, went over Jeremy Stevens uh, split decision, but if you look it on paper, he took him down twice and, and outstruck him by almost t- twenty-something punches. Uh, split decision, sub Brunekachok. So here's what I'm seeing here. I'm seeing a more experienced fighter, a great striker. He's fought much more tougher opponents, and he's got ground, man, and he's got submissions. And that's what I was talking about before you even looked at the record, is that Renato's a threat in multiple areas. Now I think Rafael has uh, great striking, has potential to really give it a fun fight on the feet, but I feel like Renato Moicano is just going to be a more well-rounded opponent. This is a huge jump for this man right here, for Rafael, especially with a a, a loss like that and two two comeback wins that are only decisions. For him to be going up and fighting Moicano really shows that the UFC has a lot of confidence in Rafael, but I think this is a really, really tough fight. Either they're trying to show that Rafael is legit or they're really gonna just this is a fight where Renato's really gonna shine. I think we're gonna see a, a really experienced Renato. It's just gonna be a huge difference. I think the striking though is gonna be very fun. Like Raphael I think the striking there because he's obviously a Tiger Muay Thai coach, I think it's gonna be awesome. It's gonna be technical. But I feel like Moicano, man, just on paper and based on his record and what he has to offer is is a threat in multiple areas. He's going to be able to, if the striking gets iffy, he's going to be able to get the takedown, implement clinch, mix up his wrestling a lot better, and be a threat on the ground. And and, and if he can implement those threats, I think, like, implementing, like, scaring him in the takedowns, uh, making him worry about um, getting taken down or submitted, I think it can make uh, Rafael a little bit hesitant on the feet, limited striking, and Moicano can start to really play around a little bit, so... What do you think?
0: He's just, he's kind of one of those like Uriah Hall type snow fits, like, because I've always said this is a backhanded compliment where depends he's somewhere, his head's at. He's somewhat, yeah, it depends on where his head's at. And this being at 155 instead of 145, I'm sure he's going to feel, you know, better throughout camp. He's going to feel like, you know, more energized and, and not as sucked out because he didn't have to cut the weight. But sometimes that puts you in a savage mindset. Sometimes that gets you the extra road work that gets you the better cardio. So it's, you never really know how it's going to turn out when they're changing weight classes like this. But um, I assume it's going to make his chin. A little bit better. That was that uh, to Korean Zombie fight. He literally took like the first. Uh, he over. He did an overhand right. Korean Zombie did over a counter. Like he jabbed. Honado Moicano did, and it was just basically the first punch that landed clean was kind of like the end of the night for him. So my concern at some point uh, towards the last couple fights of his career has been his chin mm-hmm. and that he's, um, kind of one of those stars that's burned too bright too early. And it's like, they didn't, the UFC didn't quite get what they expected out of him. And, and when he lost to Aldo and then he, he, he lost again. And then now he's switching weight classes. I feel like, um, they're putting Fiziev up against him to see like okay who's going to be the one that we want to get behind right yeah. either Micano Ma- is going to be able to go on another run and he's he's back to his old self at 155 or this Fiziev dude is someone that we've already got a little bit of buzz behind and let's let's keep that going off taking a name like Micano someone that's faced the top of the top at 145 and beaten a lot of those guys like we just said so um I think Fiziev's footwork, his movement, and his ability to keep his back off the cage is going to be paramount to his victory because he does have good, like, anti wrestling takedown defense, like the ability to kind of sprawl and brawl and take an angle, get out of there. He's got good clinch work because he's good in Muay Thai, but if he, he plays around too much there, he might be, it might be a recipe for him, like you said, not, um, not being on the same level in terms of Moikano in terms of like his full all-around skill set and mixed martial arts. And that might put him at a risk to be taken down and controlled on his back and Moikano could easily grind out a, a decision, decision victory yeah. or, or you know, land something devastating on the field, or I'm sorry, um, like elbow ground and pound, something like that. So it could go either of those two ways. For now, I'm going to stick with you because of all the things you said, I completely agree with. I think Fiziev may be fast enough and explosive enough to land something significant on Moicano, and depending on where his head's at, that might be the end, or that might just wake him up. But with that experience, that well-roundedness skill set in all areas, and the fact that he's an underdog so he gets that extra point, i got to go with the experience on this one, Moicano, and i Is he I'm gonna, the underdog? This was an ass. Yeah, Moikano is the actual underdog, which okay. is why I'm surprised because... Fizyev being the um, the favorite was just I didn't expect that given the level the fact that this is his only his fourth fight in the UFC so all that being stacked against him as well as the underdog point incentivizing me I'm going with Moicano I'm going to go by decision unanimous decision at this point I think Fizyev may be able to just move around enough and, and not get too de- you know overwhelmed and, and just be able to I don't know. I don't really have too much of a rationale. I'm just excited to watch this matchup and I'm going to go with experience for now. I may switch, but for now I'm going Moicano unanimous decision.
1: Yeah. I think something that comes, I haven't picked yet, but obviously I'm leaning towards Moicano. Um, Now knowing he's the underdog, I'm leaning towards him even more. Um, I think something that plays into factor why they, he might be a slight underdog is because of the fact that it's up a weight class um, too as well. And, but he's all—he's still the bigger fighter by two inches. He's—he's he's two inches taller, um, or sorry, three inches taller. Yeah, I'm doing math in my head. And then he's got a one-inch reach advantage. Um, so he's just a—he's just too well-rounded for me right now. Um, but it's a heavyweight class, so the chances of a finish are a little bit less. Um, and it's his first fight back in a while, so I'm trying to. I'll have to be different. Well, if, if the chances of it going to decision are pretty high, especially being up in weight class. The chance of a finish is a little bit less. Power translation, you know, depends on, on how that works out for Moicano. And this guy's a great striker. I, I see this going to the ground. Oh. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to say Moicano third-round submission.
0: All right, that makes sense. If he's able to implement that type of a game plan, be uh, the better grappler and the better well-rounded fighter, tire out Fiziev towards the third round with all that lactic acid, as we mentioned before. I feel like the before. grappling's
1: going to be a big part for yeah. Moikano in this fight. So,
0: And we'll see if uh, Fiziev is a fish out of water on his back in terms yeah. of that, or if he's working on that as well and we just haven't had an opportunity Mo- to see it yet.
1: Yeah, if Moikano doesn't like the power... Especially if, if Fizia, if the striker is, is going to be able to keep up and he starts landing on the guard. I don't think Moyicano is going to like the power at that 155 weight, especially against a talented striker like that who can who can throw pretty heavy. So I think he's going to really have to engage in the clinch and close the distance. And I feel like Fizia is, is going to force him to do that um, and he'll make those adjustments. And I think it will end up going to the ground in a few instances. And I think his, his best... Uh, his best area of victory, I think, might end up being getting a submission and playing it safe. So we'll see. But, yep. yeah, for now, third-round submission, uh, Renato Moicano for me.
0: All right. Now in the main event, Curtis Blades versus Derrick Lewis. Uh, I know I've been seeing Derrick Lewis on his Instagram and just generally over the last couple of fights. He's looked a little bit leaner, a little bit more muscular. He's, he's working on his cardio. Like he said, his back surgery uh, – I don't know if it was quite surgery. Yeah, it was. Help His knee surgery, rather, helped his back and all of his kind of things that have kept him from – you know, his, let's let's be honest here. Mentally, he was just being able to ride on the success, again, where he was uh, off pure just skill and heart. But as of the last couple of years, we've definitely seen him kind of recommit himself. Lean out. And it's definitely going to have uh, been, you know, necessary to even be putting himself in the position to take on someone like Curtis Blades, who's definitely well-rounded. He's good on the feet. He's got power. He's a heavyweight. He moves like a freaking middleweight. And he's got one of the most powerful takedowns in all of UFC. He spams takedowns. He's got... Pretty much endless cardio in that regard. And we know Derek Lewis is a, 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 has a liability in terms of when, when he's put on his back. So he stays there too long. It's an interesting matchup. Uh, it's kind of like power puncher's chance in a sense, which I, that kind of dismisses Derek Lewis's overall skill set because he is better than that. But puncher's chance versus a grinding wrestling uh, approach. What yeah. do you think about this one?
1: Well, you guys got to not forget that Curtis Blades has some power in his hands. That guy knocks people out, man. Uh, thing is, Curtis Blades has more active hands to me. Um, like, Derek Lewis has a puncher's chance, but um, it's towards the later rounds when it comes out of desperation and then Derek Lewis starts to get his hands going. Um, the one thing that has always not upset me about Derek Lewis is just the fact that I know Derek Lewis has great hands and potential, but he doesn't set up his strikes a lot. He, he usually just waits on counter bombs, and um, he ends up either missing out on getting that knockout or he, he just loses in points uh, or gets taken down and sits on his back too long. And I was hoping he'd press more, be more active with his boxing, get his hands going a little more, not focus so much on power, but more volume and then setting up for his power shots. I think that would allow his hands to land better, setting up his shots a little bit more because just sitting on your back foot and waiting on the counter, sometimes, you know, he wings it and if it hits you, it hits you. But um, if he overextends or misses it, he's going to get taken down, especially with a guy like Curtis blades. Um, I feel like Curtis blades is just a faster and just a strong opponent. I he's got knockout power too, man. Scary individual. Um Curtis Blades 14 and 2 1-0 no contest versus Derrick Lewis 24 and 7 1-0 no contest. Average fight times pretty close, 10:34 to 9:42. Obviously Curtis Blades is 10 minutes. Derrick Lewis is uh 9:42. But you guys need to remember that this is a 5-round fight. And I think what's going to end up happening is Curtis Blades is going to tire out Derrick Lewis with his grappling. He's going to end up fatiguing Derek Lewis. Um, and, you know what, I think he's going to get the fourth-round TKO on Derek Lewis. Yeah? Yeah.
0: You think he's going to ba- be a, not sub him, but pound him out?
1: Yeah. I, I, you know, Derek Lewis doesn't uh, – he's getting leaner and, and a little bit faster and better. So I don't think he'll – I think he'll last longer, but I think – uh, I think Curtis Blades going to do a real good job at closing in the distance and being able to choke off the power, yeah. not allow him to have much power. Close, yeah, close that distance, clinch, grapple, take him down a lot. Implement ground and pound. Eventually, Derek Lewis just to be too tired. Yeah. And I think in the fourth round, I think he's going to get taken out again, and he's just going to fold and and get punched out.
0: So. Yeah, I mean, we saw the game plan of the last time Derek Lewis fought. It's like, is this going to slowly but surely end up the way that we saw, it, or is Derek I, Lewis going to land time is the over. bomb? He had and- his time. Yeah, he had his time. I don't know. I just think that it's one of those things that like you're not used to seeing a fighter this late in his career, where fight to fight, you're like, okay, what improvements have they made? What, how much better are they going to look in this fight than last fight? And normally, you see that with like newer fighters to their careers in the UFC, and it's like, okay, they're younger. Each fight, they're progressing, they're evolving, they're getting better. But Derek Lewis, because of his knee and back problems and things like that, this later last couple like years of his, he's definitely taking strides. And each fight, he's looking like more cardiovascularly in shape. He's looking to be, yeah. you know, working out and well around it. He's the best, what is it, best purple belt in Texas, he says. <laughs> so, my point is is that it's interesting, that X-Factor, to see how much he's improved since his last fight. But, I hate to say it, sorry, my balls is hot, but I don't think it's gonna be enough for him to overcome the test that is Curtis plays. I think the grappling, the takedowns, the wrestling will eventually... Uh, I think you've said speed this before. Advantage.
1: He's more agile on his feet. I think I... you've
0: said this before in terms of describing a Derrick Lewis fight. I think there's going to be some woes and laws moments where you think that he may be able to finish it, and he very well could in those moments. But if he doesn't, then he ultimately is going to lose a decision. Um, I think you're right. I think because it's a five-round fight that Curtis Blades, if he takes him into that fourth and fifth round. But I'm going to go with the uh, TKO's in the fifth round. I think Derrick Lewis is going to... I don't know. I may I may change, but for now I'm gonna, I'm, I'm thinking he's going to extend it, like you're saying. He's going to look better than we've ever seen him before. I do too. I he's think gonna so too. Make it more competitive than anybody ever thought it was going to be um, in terms of this particular stylistic matchup. It should be but, a two second knockout. But <laughs> 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 it could be very well. I mean, Derrick I mean, Lewis. Boom. And Gowney, who's done that to Curtis Blades pretty much twice, so Derrick Lewis could see, uh, see that and maybe just shoot for the behind the ear overhand, and that could be all she wrote. But if it goes later into the fight, I think it's going to be unexpected to see Derrick Lewis's performance late into the fight. So I'm going to him that credit, but ultimately he's going to come in on the, on the losing end, unfortunately. So I'm going to go with the Curtis Plays fifth round TKO. All
1: right. Well, that does it.
0: You are right. That is it. That finishes up the card. I hope you guys enjoyed our breakdown and get in our picks. But make sure to turn in next week because we'll obviously be breaking down all the action, let you know how we did. And then we're going to be looking ahead to the following week. Kevin Holland stepping in on a couple weeks notice to take on Jack the Joker Hermanson. Hell of a card. Hell of a main event. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Make sure to tune in. But that's it. That does it for this week's installment of the D Love Special Sauce podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. If you did, go over to Apple and iTunes, give us a positive review, five star rating. Hopefully, and don't forget to turn the notification bell on. That way, you're on top of all the most current content. And while you're supporting us, a small independent podcast, make sure to go check out and support the small business men and women who support the show, just like you guys, by listening every single week. My boy Eden, eating buttery pancakes. Slash, I get people shredded on IG. Monique Taylor with StrongWomenDesigns.com. Nora, my girl, with DreamLoudCollections.com, Ricardo with Neighborhood Auto Care. Caesar with OC Party Rentals. Mac Noodles, Hibachi Chef. Andrew Snyder with Holistic Healing Services. And last but not least, MMT Fitness. Check out their Instagram. Make sure to come and check out the gym. Exit the 5 freeway off Avery Parkway. First class is always free. Make sure to tell them DLSS sent you. But until next week, same time and same place, we're out of here. Enjoy the
1: fights.